Hello everyone. This is the CircuitPython weekly meeting for November 2nd, 2020. It's the time of week where we get together to talk about all things CircuitPython. I'm Jeff Epler and I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python designed to run on tiny computers called microcontrollers. Development of CircuitPython is primarily sponsored by Adafruit, so support them and us by purchasing your hardware from Adafruit.com. This meeting is hosted on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join anytime by going to adafru.it slash discord. We hold the meeting in the CircuitPython text channel and in the CircuitPython voice channel. This meeting typically happens on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time, but the date occasionally varies for U.S. holidays. We have an online calendar. If you would like to speak in the meetings, let us know and we will add you to the CircuitPythonistas role. This will also get you a small number of notifications from Discord during the week, mostly reminders about the meeting. The length of the meeting varies, but it's often from 60 to 90 minutes long. We'll post the meeting on YouTube and other uh, podcast services. If you find this podcast is not available on your favorite podcast service, let us know. The meeting includes the text in the text channel and the audio from the audio channel. This meeting is accompanied by a notes document. If you wish to participate but don't have a mic or just prefer not to have your voice recorded, you can add your updates to the notes doc and we'll read them off. If you can't attend it at all, you can also leave your notes in advance and likewise we'll read them for you. This document is updated with time codes so that if you want to watch or listen to just a part of the meeting after the fact, you can skip to what you're interested in. This meeting is held in five parts. First, community news with links to CircuitPython projects and a preview of the Python on Hardware newsletter. Second, the state of CircuitPython, libraries, and Blinka. We'll look at numbers that summarize the health of the project and get a high-level summary of recent development and future direction. Third, and the first of two round robin sections, hug reports. In hug reports, we invite you to highlight positive contributions from the awesome folks around us. In the round robin sections, we'll start with the moderator and continue in alphabetical fashion until everyone has had a chance to speak. If you're lurking, we'll skip over you. If you have notes, the moderator will read them aloud. Fourth, status updates. During status updates, we invite community members to take a few minutes to talk about their CircuitPython-related work, progress, and plans. Feel free to chime in with quick tips or advice as appropriate. Uh, but for longer discussions, you should take them to our last section, In the Weeds. For topics that are more open-ended, this is the section where we can discuss them. If you have anything else you'd like to discuss, please add it to the end of the In the Weeds section of the notes document as soon as you think of it, and tag it with your name so we'll know who's starting the discussion. We cover topics in the weeds in the order that they were added to the document. <clears throat> if you'd like to participate in the round robin sections, you need to be a member of the CircuitPythonistas role on Discord, just ask, and you'll need to add your name and preferably your notes, it's super helpful, to the weekly meeting document in alphabetical order just under hug reports and status updates. And once again, if you can't attend or prefer to uh, have us read your notes for you, we're happy to. Just uh, put that in the notes. Except when you're actively speaking, please keep your mic muted. I'm going to assume that anybody who hasn't had a chance to at least add their name to the notes document is lurking. Uh, if for some reason that's not possible, though, you can let us know in the text channel that you'll be participating, and our intrepid notes taker will add you to the document. With that, let's continue to community news. That's so nice. All right. Um, so first up, the new Raspberry Pi 400 computer is released. 
Uh, the Raspberry Pi Foundation announced yesterday that the new Raspberry Pi 400 desktop computer, uh, uh, yeah, well, there's Lemore. There, there it is. It's all built into the keyboard, and the ports all come out the back. It's really making me think of the Commodore 64 of my childhood. This is a great CircuitPython slash Blinka machine, plus it has all the GPIO pins for hacking, and there's plenty of links to back that up. Uh, very exciting. Uh, Microlab 1.0.0 has been released by community member Zoltan V923Z. Um, Microlab provides numerical capabilities similar to the NumPy library, but Microlab is usable on limited resources uh, microcontrollers. This release implements a number of missing features, like higher dimensional tensors, proper views of arrays, and broadcasting. In addition, a bunch of new functions have been added as well as customization options. Next up, uh, an update for Python in Visual Studio Code. The October 2020 release of the Python in Visual Studio Code extension is available. You can download the Python extension from the Windows Marketplace or install it directly from the extension gallery in Visual Studio Code. This is a short release where we addressed 14 issues and it includes DebugPy 1.0. DebugPy offers a number of great features that can help you understand bugs, errors, and unexpected behavior in your code. Grayscale ePaper support has been added to CircuitPython. And uh, here we have a Twitter by Joey Castillo showing uh, the new capability. Joey is the inventor of the open book e-reader. Next up, Slappy.io is an easy-to-use web development environment for CircuitPython. Um, yeah, so imagine doing everything you do with CircuitPython, but you never have to leave your browser. Next up, the CircuitPython sensor ring. Another Joey Castillo item. Expanding on previous postings, the article discusses adding sensors and dot star RGB LEDs, design decisions, and directions for future work. That's all on hackster.io. Um, here we've got someone who's uh, showing off their build of the Adabox. Quote, when I gave CircuitPython a shot, it was amazing. Along with Mu, the simple Python text editor, I was up and running in no time. Mu recognized that I was using CircuitPython, and once I enabled serial communication to help find the stupid syntax errors I often make, I was up and running. I hadn't bought into the not compiling saves time argument, but it does turn out to be a nice feature to click save and watch my screen update. And that's from Bob the Chemist. All right, uh, someone can correct me on the pronunciation, but next we have Making a Heart of Tefiti from Moana, and also a Tony Stark arc reactor. And we've got Twitter links for that. And let's see, last but not least, Scott Young on Twitter, me and Fina, age four, collaborated on this to scare the wife yesterday. An Adafruit Halloween M4, some photos, a bit of sound manipulation, and a bit of mucking around in CircuitPython, and we came up with something well creepy. So these are just a few things that will come out in the CircuitPython weekly newsletter tomorrow. The complete archives, as well as the subscribe button, are on adafruitdaily.com. To contribute your own news or project, edit next week's draft on GitHub and submit a pull request with the changes. You can also tag at engineer on Twitter or email annb at adafruit.com. And that wraps it up for the community news. Next up is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. This is kind of uh, a numbers approach to monitoring the health of the project. 
but we'll also kind of give a little narrative to explain how things are going in the core, the libraries, and Blinka. So overall, in the past seven days, we had 35 pull requests merged from 23 authors, which is a huge number. Thank you to all 23 of them. Uh, some names that I don't recognize. Uh, Michael Lass is, I think, a past contributor, but not frequent. Uh, Fede2CR, it's nice to see you. Adam Cummick, I don't recognize the name of. TWA127, ITACA Innovation, Marcus K, M. Tawara, D. Manella, um, let's see, BD34N has been around. Uh, ben Lewis, they may be new. Uh, and we also had 10 reviewers, which is great because reviewers are uh, what enable us to incorporate pull requests and improve the software. So uh, thank you to Foamy Guy, Maker Melissa, Carter, D. Halbert, Lady Ada, Sedacious, myself, Jerry, Katni, and Tanud. On the issues front, we had 24 closed issues by 9 people and 13 open by 13 people. Being net down 11 issues is actually pretty amazing. And um, this says removed Hacktoberfest label from zero issues that's either incorrect or irrelevant. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Scott if he is willing to tell us about the core. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, for the stats for the core, uh, we had eight pull requests merged from seven different authors. Um, most look familiar to me, so thank you to those seven. We had four reviewers, so thanks again to reviewers. Uh, we have 16 open pull requests, three of which are o older than 100 days. Uh, so we should take a look at those. I think one is the IMX 1050 mm -hmm. that needs some love and just has not been a priority. So we should just remember that it's totally okay for us to close PRs. Uh, we can always open them later. The branches do not go away unless you delete them separately. Uh, so we should always consider that if we have things that we just don't have the time to do. Uh, Issues-wise, we had 10 closed issues by one person, one open by one person uh, for net down uh, nine, which is awesome. And I think that one person who closed the issues was Dan over the weekend. Um, so thanks to Dan for that, I believe. Uh, we have a total of 321 open issues. Uh, you can go to github.com slash adagroup slash circuitpython slash issues to see them all. Uh, we track kind of the state of our issues by uh, milestone. And we have zero issues not assigned to milestone, so we're caught up on triage. And we also have zero open issues under the 600 milestone, uh, which is a good sign, and I think Dan will talk about later. Uh, but just as a, a, as a preview uh, for the overview overall, um, we're getting really close to getting another release candidate for 6.0 out the door, and uh, soon we'll also have uh, a stable release of 6.0 out the door. Um, once we get that stable release, we can expect a few bugs to come in as more people try it. Um, so that's nothing, nothing too surprising. Um, but we'll also be able to get out a pre-release of 6.1, which I think people will be very excited about because all the changes that have been going into main recently will be released as a 6.1 pre-release instead. So uh, that'll be really good, and I think that's a forcing function for us to get 6.0 stable. Um, anyway, that's it for the core. Thank you, Scott. And for the overview of the libraries, I will pass on to Katni. Thanks, Jeff. So we had uh, 24 pull requests merged, and this is across all of the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries. So all libraries that have Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore before the uh, 
library name. Um, so 24 pull requests merged by 13 authors, including a number of the new folks that you read off earlier, and nine reviewers. The oldest pull request we had merged is 157 days old, which is excellent. Uh, beyond that was one at 18 days, two at four, and then the rest were at zero or one days. So it's good that we're keeping caught up, but it's excellent that we're getting a chance to get to some older pull requests. We had 12 issues closed by seven people and 11 opened by 11 people, uh, leaving us with uh, 221 open issues. Um, we have nine good first issues amongst those, and um, our uh, total of pull requests right now is 29. Um, there were two, yes, two new libraries this week, LC709203F, and EMC2101. Um, if you are interested in contributing to CircuitPython, contributing to the libraries is a great way to start. You can go to circuitpython.org contributing and find all the information that I've read off. There's a list of open pull requests, a list of open issues, and a list of library infrastructure issues. The issues place, um, you can search by label. If you are new to everything, good first issues are a great place to start. If you're looking for something more complicated, you can search for bug or enhancement. Um, reviewing PRs is also super helpful. You can take a look, see if uh, you have the hardware, you can actually test the PR. If you don't have the hardware, you can always uh, scan it for syntax, um, code structure, that sort of thing, and just let us know, leave a comment and let us know that you reviewed it. Um, Reviewing is often the bottleneck for getting um, getting things through, so uh, it's super helpful to help out that way. Um, and we are always available to help you out. If you're new to Git and GitHub, we have a guide, or you can find us on Discord um, or through the GitHub issue, and we can uh, help you out. We want to see you be able to contribute in the way that uh, works for you. Uh, overall, the libraries are continuing to grow um, as we by the two new libraries this week, and I know there was at least one or two last week as well. Um, I'm really excited to see some uh, community-contributed libraries to the main bundle. Um, that's always excellent as well, and much appreciated. And um, we are seeing updates to the community bundle. Uh, the community bundle is definitely becoming more active, which is also excellent. Those are libraries that are written by community members that don't necessarily um, work for Adafruit support, um, but we want folks to be able to get to them, so we set up a community bundle and that's available and people have been um, adding to and updating the current libraries included, uh, and that's where we are with the libraries. Thank you, Katni. And the last section in the state of CircuitPython is Blinka, so I'll turn it over to maker Melissa. Hello, Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. Uh, we, this week we had three pull requests merged by three authors, Dmanla, Michael Lass, and TWA127, uh, and we had one reviewer, myself. Uh, we have two open pull requests left, and uh, there were two closed issues by two people and one open by one person. We removed the Hacktoberfest label from zero issues. There are currently 27 open issues. There were 1,657 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we currently have 52 supported boards according to this, but I need to add a few more to the 
circuitpython.org website, and that number should be up next week. And that's it. And is it true that the Pi 400 will be compatible with Blinka? Eventually. I don't know if it is now or not. All right. I'm sure we'll get one of those into your hands real soon now. <laughs> okay. All right. With that, we will move on to the first round robin section of Hug Reports. During Hug Reports, we invite you to take some time to thank uh, people in the community, especially the Discord community, for the uh, great stuff that they're doing to support each other. Um, I will kick it off, then we will go down the list in alphabetical order, wrapping around to the top, and uh, yeah, giving everyone a chance to speak. And just a reminder, um, if you have not added your name to the document, I will assume that you are lurking and skip over you. So, I will take my own time code, and I will start with a group hug. Also a hug to Dan for plugging away at the last few things that are blocking version 6.0.0. To Jerry for uh, doing some testing related to a USB bug I was seeing on ESP32-S2. And to the Discord moderators for dealing with a few things over the past week. It's nothing like uh, the days when we were in server discovery, but it's still a little bit of an uptick. Uh, Jerry's next, and then after that is Katni. Hello. Hi. Um, see, uh, uh, thanks to uh, Ask Patrick W for some guidance in trying to update the ESP32S2 certificates. Um, helpful understanding how things work. And Kevin Thomas for uh, doing some, some confirming some errors that I've been chasing around this morning and making me feel at least like I'm not alone. And uh, the group hug. All right, thank you, Jerry. Uh, after Katni, I will be reading notes from Kevin Thomas. Go ahead, Katni. Thank you. Um, so first and foremost, a hug report to John Park for the most amazing Adabox unboxing. Yes. Ever. I'm well convinced there's no topping it. Um, so great job with that. Um, not to mention all the work that goes into uh, preparing for it. Um, just utterly amazing. Um, to Adafruit and to Phil especially for always going above and beyond to look out for the health of their people. Uh, hug report to Foamy Guy for adding his first library to the bundle and for writing the library in the first place, sorting out releasing it properly, and for everything he does with regards to the libraries. I really appreciate the assistance. Um, basically, if ever there's something that needs to be done, um, he's always willing uh, and able to do it, and I really appreciate that. Um, to community moderators for keeping up with issues on Discord, um, and a group hug to everyone. All right, thank you, Katni. Um, after I read the notes from Kevin Thomas, we will go on to Maker Melissa. Uh, but Kevin writes a hug to Foamy Guy, Jerry, Tanut for helping me get the Metro ESP32-S2 Adafruit Request Module working with the Wi-Fi module to connect properly. And then to Anik Data and Jerry for spending their morning helping me get set up to flash the Metro ESP32-S2 properly. Uh, Mark is up next, um, but now Maker Melissa, what's up? Hi, I wanted to give a hug report to TWA127 for adding several boards to Blinka and Platform Detect. Uh, hug report to Anik Data for testing out the CircuitPython request library. Uh, to Foamy Guy for working on the Blinka display I/O and working for a fix on an Adabyte issue with adding Blinka to the stats or more re Blinka type repos to the stats. Uh, hug report to K 
Canode and Lady Ada for a good detailed chat about the CircuitPython request changes, to DCloud for going on show and tell, and John Park for a great data box unboxing. All right, I have notes from a few people, and then we will go on to Scott. Uh, but first, Mark Gamblor sends a group hug. And Mr. Certainly, who is also lurking, says hats off to John Park and the entire Adabox team for an amazing unboxing video and a group hug. Uh, so Zoltan is on deck, but now we go to Scott. Hello. Um, first, a hug report to Melissa and Lamore for helping me bug hunt the request libraries. Uh, I was really hung up on the fact that there was bugs, and I... Uh, yeah, I just... It was really good to have some people uh, help me out with that, and I think we got over the majority of them. Uh, thanks to Jerry for testing a core fix that I'll get a PR out for today. Um, hug report to Microdev for continued work on the ESP32S2 port. Um, the pulse count peripheral looks really neat, and added, uh, Microdev added both CountIO and RotaryIO support, or is in the process of doing that. Um, and then lastly, a hug report to Zoltan for uh, 1.0 of Microlab. All right, and uh, that brings us to Zoltan. Thanks, Jeff. So first of all, I would like to thank uh, and the Kitty for keeping a tab on the news at time. Then um, Taku Fukada, also known as Siskon for his help with the MicroLab documentation. I, I simply asked for some guidance and uh, uh, a day later, he came back with a full solution, and unfortunately, I missed his related pull request, uh, so I, I simply copied his code uh, from, from his repository, um, the option being that he didn't get any credit by voicing uh, uh, my gratitude here, sort of fixes this, this issue. I, I would also like to thank the, um, the contributors to to the microlab uh, stubs, uh, namely uh, Jeff, Scott, and Flamey. I, I hope that I haven't um, forgotten anyone. And uh, last but not least, um, a group hug. So that with that back to you, Jeff. Thank you. And wrapping around to the top of the alphabet, I have some notes from C. Grover, who's text only today. Uh, thank you to Dave Estelles for display design inspiration for the upgraded workstation corrosion monitor. A hug report to Brent R. for help with PyPortal requests when pushing to AIO feeds. And a hug to John Park for an amazing Adabox unboxing. And Charles Berniford writes a hug report to all. And that brings us to Christian Walther. first time here so I'm a bit late with this but I would like to thank Scott and Jeff for providing a very welcome experience for me as a new contributor with their uh, quick and thoughtful and encouraging pull request reviews. You're very welcome. Um, and how close was I in the pronunciation of your name? That was fine. Okay. All right. Uh, with that we will go to Dan and then up next I have some notes to read. I'd like to thank John Park for his Adabox 16 unboxing video, which was just hilarious and wonderful. Just a delight to watch. Um, thanks, Jeff, for working me on those issues, working with me on those issues over the weekend, where it managed to take us three or four tries to fix a zip command. But, uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. I think the, issue, the point is like maybe we should test it. 
we push this out. <laughs> um, and thanks to uh, Scott, Lady Ada, and Melissa, and Jerry for debugging the request library, which is still in process, but they fixed a lot of things already. Very good. And thanks, uh, Zoltan, for, or congratulations for the 100 and 110 releases of MicroLab. Okay. All right. Uh, after my notes from David, we'll go to Foamy Guy. But uh, David Gloud sends a hug report to Foamy Guy for the multitasking with CircuitPython Learn Guide. All right, Foamy Guy. Thanks, Jeff. Um, this week I got a hug for Maker Melissa for all of the work on the Blinka Display.io library. Um, I'll talk about it a little more in status update, but uh, definitely would not have been able to accomplish what I did over the weekend without all the great work from Melissa on that. Uh, and also for a quick um, review on a PR with the scaling issue in the group on that uh, library there, Blinka Display.io. Um, another hug for Dan for helping me with some of the specific configuration details in GitHub and Actions. And then uh, lastly, a big hug to Scott and Katni, and I'm sure there probably are others, anyone who's worked on the sharing a CircuitPython library guide in the Learn Guide system. Um, I definitely have uh, had that page open a lot over the last week or so and uh, would not, again, have been able to accomplish what I have without it. So really appreciate all the work that went into that. All right, thank you. Um, and Higher Effect gets to round out hug reports. All righty, so uh, this week, thanks to you, Jeff, for, and uh, to Scott for your reviews on the SPI peripheral PR that I put through. Um, thanks to uh, Lady Out of this morning for testing. Uh, the NeoPixel implementation and walking me through some NeoPixel purchases uh, that I'm making with Adafruit to make sure that we're uh, covering all of the different use cases for NeoPixel on both Arduino and CircuitPython. Um, and uh, thanks to MustBeArt, who is a contributor on the Arduino implementation, um, who uh, helped to test the new uh, RMT remote control uh, ESP32 implementation of NeoPixel on Arduino and found some issues that are actually both on Arduino and our CircuitPython implementation. So going back and fixing those, uh, but thanks again for helping to test those and figure them out. And uh, that's it for me. All right, and that wraps up Hug Reports. The next section is Status Updates, which is also conducted in a round robin like Hug Reports. Um, in status updates, we invite you to tell us what you've been doing with CircuitPython since the last meeting and what you hope to do before the next meeting. So usually covering about a week of time on either side. And we're happy to hear about whatever's going on uh, in your life. For instance, uh, we've heard about deck remodeling projects, which hopefully nobody's remodeling their deck as we enter this cold season. But, you know, tell us what you're up to, what's inspiring you right now. Um, I will start, and we'll, we'll go in round-robin fashion again, so Jerry will follow. So, uh, last week, my primary work was on audio out for the ESP32-S2, but sadly, I didn't make enough progress um, that it does anything. Um, it was a little bit frustrating, and so I will set that aside for a little bit and return to it if uh, another community member has not picked it up in the meantime. So, this week, it's back to the CAN world. Uh, writing some guides and probably also getting another prototype uh, Feather M4 can to replace the one that I fried while working on it a few weeks ago. And uh, soon I have a little Bluetooth project that hopefully will turn into a project guide. It's going to involve the new, um, not Bluefruit, Bluetooth project. It's going to involve the new functionality on Raspberry Pi. 
Uh, so Katni is on deck, but um, before that, we will go to Jerry. Thanks. Uh, let's see. So I, uh, I, a forum post. Um, somebody was trying to use the uh, version six, the updated RFN nine X and six nine builds, and they realized that they could no longer check the battery voltage because you've taken audio I/O out of the. Uh, I mean, um, analog I.O. out of the builds to make them fit. And that, that was too bad. So uh, we went back and looked, and I think mostly did a lot of the work that Jeff's done and others to, to reduce the size of, of things. Um, there's plenty of room to put analog I.O. back in. So we did, and it's in, and it now lets you, let you run that. And <laughs> cat's trying to break in. And um, that, was, that was kind of a nice thing. I tried to put Pulse I.O. back in, and you can get it for some languages, but not all of them. So I decided to hold off on that. It's all not clear enough room for it globally. Um, I got my first uh, Metro ESP 32S2 board, so I've been exploring its its features and functions. And um, part of that has been playing with the uh, ESP 32S2 the requests on that board and, and struggling with a couple of issues that have come up to do with um, HTTPS requests. Um, and something something definitely changed in the, in, the, in the most recent version. Things that were requests that were working don't work anymore. So there's been an issue filed on that, trying to make some sense of it. And um, again, I'm not sure where the problem is if it's in Circuit Python or the requests. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth on that. Um, as part of that, that too, I've been looking into trying to update the certificates on the ESP32 S2 builds. That was a suggestion as being a reason why they're failing um, HTTPS. Some HTTPS requests with an SSL handshake error. But just, just recently, I finally think I figured out how to do the update. And it turns out I think it's actually being done every time you run a build. So I'm no longer sure why that's not working and quite where to go with that. But that's all in the issue and keep discussing it there. All right, thanks, Jerry. It sounds like your plate is full. Uh, what's up with you, Katni? Um, ask the cat about the request issue. Yeah, cats know. They won't tell, but they know. All right, so last week, um, I did the pinouts page for the Braincraft hat guide, and it turns out there was never a pinouts page added um, and that came out of the fact that I was writing the voice bonnet guide and was told to crib the pinouts from a non-existent page. So there is a very detailed, uh, nice pinouts page for the Braincraft hat now, and um, there is now a full guide for the voice bonnet, including a pinouts page. Um, I did a couple of fritzing objects, uh, but the um, voice bonnet was the major thing from last week. Uh, this week I'm starting the Metro ESP32 S2 guide. Um, all the pins are different from everything else we've had. And the install, um, the install CircuitPython is totally different too. So uh, I don't know when that's going to be published, but it's being started. So uh, hopefully if you've got one and you're unsure, um, we'll have something for you soon. Um, and then, uh, I have a few more fritzing objects on my plate, including the new Feather M4 can. Um, and also vaguely on the list, um, 
the LPS 35HW has a new Stemma version, um, and the guide has sort of been updated, but not entirely, and so if I get to that first thing, then I will also be getting to that guide. But pretty much this week is the ESP32 S2 guide and getting that um, up and running. And I guess that's it. All right, sounds like about enough. Uh, after the notes from Kevin, we will go back to maker Melissa. But Kevin Thomas writes, Last week, I continued working on testing and developing the new Microbit V2, where I created two sample applications to test the new onboard speaker capability. The new Microbit V2 is scheduled to be released this month. There are some links related to that in the notes document. Uh, this week, I will be attempting to create a tutorial to take advantage of the CircuitPython Metro ESP32-S2 showing the use of Adafruit requests and Wi-Fi with a simple example. Special thanks to Jerry, Fummy Guy, Anecdata, and Scott for helping get everything set up properly. Uh, let's see. So after making Melissa, I have some notes to read from a few people. Go ahead, Melissa. Hi. So last week I worked on updating the e-ink breakouts by the wings guide and added some uh, pinned out some downloads pages. Uh, I think they're still being reviewed at the moment. I looked into CircuitPython request library issues and was able to figure out at least one of the issues. I got all the platform detect PRs uh, merged in, so that's all closed down now. I fixed an issue with the matrix portal library uh, when positioning of scrolling text wasn't specified. I updated remaining the remaining PyTFT guides with Python install script instructions. I updated Braincraft hat guide downloads page with some missing information. Um, and this week I'm going to be writing a guide for the 128.128 grayscale OLED. Uh, I'm going to update the Blinka page on circuitpython.org with some recently added boards. Uh, I'll update uh, the e-ink uh, breakouts featherwings guide with some more e-ink displays. And actually, a new item that just popped up is I will be adding the uh, Raspberry Pi 400 uh, to the Blinket today. And that's it. Nice. All right. I have uh, a notes from a few people. Uh, after the notes that I read, we will go to Scott. But first, Mark writes, bus device is almost ready for review, tested against the BME 280, I2C, and SPI. That is very nice. Uh, also notes from Microdev, who is text only. Last week, I worked on implementing Rotary IO and Count IO on the ESP32-S2. This week, I plan to add more modules in the ESP32-S2 port, which will further enhance its capabilities. Uh, so we will have Scott next, and then Zoltan. Hello. I think at the end of last, or the start of last week, I got the Grayscale Inc info or PR squared away and it includes a spy fix for the ESP32-S2. I spent some de debugging, uh, some time debugging request slowness that turned out to be that the receive uh, function behaving incorrectly. Uh, thanks again to Wilmore and Melissa for helping me with that. Uh, made a bit more progress on the deep sleep API on Tuesday, uh, but didn't compile it or anything, just started sketching it out. Um, Today I have to wrap up the receive fix PR, uh, and I am also going to create a single bin for installing the UF2 bootloader on the ESP32-S2, uh, since folks want that. And then uh, after that, I'm back to deep sleep uh, when I'm not distracted by the US election, which you 
we'll see how it goes. Uh, but if you're in the U.S. and you haven't voted, please vote. Uh, voting is something that we can only do every so often, and it's important not to miss it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll get deep sleep compiling and actually kind of kind of working. All right, and yes, uh, vote. Encourage your friends to vote, and yeah, make this happen. All right, we will go to Zoltan, and then I have some notes to read from uh, Seagrover. Thanks, Jeff. So as, as announced uh, last week, I finally released 1.0 of Microlab. Um, I have actually, in the meantime, moved forward, and um, I am at 1.1.1 at the moment. Um, each function should um, increment the, sub -mi uh, the, the minor version, and the uh, sub-minors are just, um, I guess, for bug fixes. Um, this week I would like to, to work on uh, a bit on, on cleaning up the code. This is not going to change too much in the API or um, it doesn't necessarily mean new functions. Um, and um, I, I still have to um, factor out some, some pieces of code that, that could be reused for, for other purposes. Um, trying to close a couple of feature requests. Uh, some of them are relatively straightforward, a bit of work, but straightforward. And some of them are awfully hard, especially that I don't even know what the feature request is about. Um, uh, some people wanted to have uh, um, uh, machine learning uh, implemented and things like that. And I, I think that's uh, uh, really, really beyond me. So I, I, I don't quite know what's, what to do about that. But if anyone has... Uh, an opinion on the on the subject, and then um, please go over to to the issue section on GitHub and uh, and uh, let us know your your, your opinion. Um, and finally, I, I would uh, like to sort of target smaller microcontrollers. Um, so uh, there are ways of implementing trade-offs. Um, so you can you can trade uh, speed for flash space and vice versa. And I, I think it's an interesting uh, subject. I, I would like to explore that. I, I don't know how far I get, but um, at least these are my plans for the week. And with that, back to you, Jeff. All right. Uh, next, I have notes from C. Grover, who has been chasing some memory issues when using PyPortal, DisplayIO, and AIO libraries with 6.0.0.RC and request 1.6.0 was able to get the Corrosion Monitor project to work reliably by trimming out some direct display I.O. pixel reading and writing. We'll see if I can characterize the errors to be able to submit a useful issue. The next project is the automated DC motor dynamometer. The perfect Oshpark PCBs arrived. Two new feather wings for this project, a 24-bit ADC for dual load cell measurements, and a wing that carries two INA-260 breakouts for monitoring power of the test motor and the brake parentheses dynamometer motor. Uh, so that brings us to Christian Walter again one, and followed by Dan. Oh, go ahead. One comment, one comment for Seagrover. Try the latest 1.7 requests. It should be better for memory and we should we may have fixed the issues with, uh, with it. And if we didn't, we need to know. The reason I made so many changes was trying to save memory, so hopefully that'll help. All right, over to you, Christian. All right. 
Um, I'm still working as I have been for a few weeks on extending the supervised memory allocator to support movable allocations. That means uh, you can allocate something on the garbage collector heap in one run of the VM and then it carries over into the next run. And uh, that allows me to implement functionality like specifying which code file to run in the next run and if one run ends with an exception uh, storing the exception trace back and accessing that in the next run and I have the code mostly done for that I'm now working on cleaning it up and hope to have a pull request ready for review this or the next week Excellent, thank you um, Next up is Dan and then I have notes from David Okay, um, I fixed a bug where um, in 6.0 where if the, the host computer went to sleep, uh, the REPL might not reappear. It would type out, but you couldn't type into it. And that was also had to do with serial connection detect and also USB uh, on or off detect. So uh, I fixed that up and it seems to be working well. Um, Jeff and I worked on uh, fixing the uploading of the CircuitPython stubs to Amazon S3. Uh, there was a typo and then we made a mistake in the in the zip command and it just went on and on. So, but it's all done now. Um, there was a minor matrix portal pin error that I fixed. Um, I made up a BLE demo on the matrix portal, which I showed on Show and Tell last week, which was kind of fun. First uh, BLE demo uh, on the airlift of any size. Um, and I'm finishing up the last things for the 6.0 RC1 release today. There's nothing uh, left in the bug queue. I was asked by um, Lady Ada to make some pin changes in an upcoming product board. And I'll probably do that. That's really simple. And then after that, uh, we, can we can do RC1. And I went over, I noticed there were some really old issues that were, were already covered or redundant or just not interesting anymore. And I closed about nine of them, maybe not that many, maybe about six over the weekend, just because we have like 300 open issues now and I'd like to see that number go down. And I've just started uh, doing ESP32-S2 development. I got the tool chain working and I'll start debugging some of the problems we're having. Okay. All right. Um, I have notes from David Gloud, and then we will go to Foamy Guy. Uh, David writes, uh, CircuitPython did the Corona app detector and had a first time on Show and Tell. Uh, David asks, does Adafruit still have the as seen on Show and Tell sticker to put in the next order? And I'm not sure the answer to that. Um, and okay, go ahead. Do is just email support at adafruit.com and they'll send you send you it separately. I don't think you you don't need to add it to an order or anything. All right, um, and it now runs on an itsy bitsy NRF and Feather NRF five two eight four zero, and a failure. Uh, attempt to build an airlift with ESP thirty two dev kit do it, um, and to permit a different UUID on BLE UART. And there is a link to an issue related to that one. And uh, David's non-CircuitPython activity was to upgrade the Maximite 2 color and play basic version of Gauntlet and Wolfenstein 3D. 
watching and reading the Raspberry Pi 400 video news all day, and moving from quarantine, hopefully test is negative, to second wave lockdown. <sighs> yeah, France has... Uh, already... I forget. No, David's not in France. Anyway, yeah, it's a mess. Uh, so we hope that you stay healthy, uh, you and yours. Anyway, uh, we have Fumigai and then a higher effect to round out status updates. Belgium, thank you, David. Sorry for calling you French. It's very rude. Thanks, Jeff. Um, for this week, uh, or last week, I should say, probably the most exciting thing is I created a display driver that will let uh, Blinka Display.io output into a Pi game window. So you can run it on a Raspberry Pi or a PC, and it will let you uh, use your Display.io code and see it on the PC or on the Raspberry Pi's HDMI screen. So that that's, was a lot of fun to play with over the weekend. Um, a couple other smaller things. I fixed up an issue that I found while I was working on that with group scaling inside Blinka Display.io. And then uh, I also fixed up a couple other small issues. One was in the, a learn guide for the Pi Ruler. Um, I, I think it was using the old HID API. Um, and so I got that updated. And then also there was a small one in setup pie of the image load library I found while I was working on the Blink stuff as well. Got that fixed. Um, for next week, I'm going to look into the Adabot scripts to try to figure out how to get all of the Blinka um, stats to show up in the output of those uh, reports that come out of the scripts in that, in that repo. And then uh, I also want to go and test. There's a few more uh, display widgets. I, I did over this weekend, I did mostly the label, the button, uh, image load, might have been it. So I want to test a couple of the others like progress bar and uh, oh, I know there's a few others I'm forgetting, but uh, whatever they are, I'm going to try to get those tested out this week uh, on the Pi game display. Uh, and that's all for me. All right. That brings us to Higher Effect to finish up status updates. Um, okay. Uh, last week, uh, I worked on implementing the um, NeoPixel on uh, Arduino uh, for the ESP32 um, using a peripheral on the ESP32 called RMT, uh, standing for the Remote Control Peripheral, um, which is, as with a lot of stuff on the ESP, um, named like it's something really specific, but it's actually a very generic uh, pulse editor, uh, pulse, a pulse sending peripheral. Um, so it basically makes the NeoPixels uh, work a lot smoother, results in fewer errors when you have good lists of them. Um, so I worked on putting that on. Um, it had a couple bugs that turned up at the beginning of this week, um, but otherwise uh, went fairly smoothly. Um, and uh, I also submitted a PR for uh, SPI peripheral or SPI slave behavior for uh, microcontrollers uh, or for, for CircuitPython. Uh, which basically allows a certain Python device to act as an SPI peripheral um, that takes uh, input and basically acts on the command of an SPI host um, or master device, um, which uh, is something that I'm using for a personal tracking project. Uh, this week, uh, I have been testing out the issue with the uh, NeoPixel scripts on Arduino because it turns out that that issue um, is actually also on CircuitPython. So we're going to be resolving it there. Uh, and then also um, making it all work a little bit faster on both platforms. So Arduino and CircuitPython, um, we have a little bit extra latency if you're using multiple strips of NeoPixels. So I've gotten some new NeoPixel strips, and I'm going to try and speed that up a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, Scott's request, I'm also going to be doing some reviews on ESP32 stuff this week. I'm going to come in from other contributors. And uh, he was hoping I could check out his UDP implementation as well. Um, so I'll be taking a look at all of that. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. Thank you. That concludes status updates, and we move to the final section called In the Weeds. This is a chance for some longer form discussion of anything that doesn't fit within the previous categories. It looks like we've got one item, so I will hand the talking stick back to Zoltan. Uh, thanks, Jeff. <clears throat> so I, I would just like to um, add a bit of background on, on what's going on in, in Microlab um, and what it can mean for uh, CircuitPython. Um, <coughs> So one of the issues is uh, the um, uh, trade-offs that I'm trying to, to uh, sort out. Um, basically, um, what, what makes Microlab a bit expensive in terms of uh, flash spaces is uh, uh, mainly binary operators. So um, operators or, or functions where um, two um, ND arrays um, take place or are, are uh, sorry, are involved. Um, because then each binary operator uh, actually has to be um, um, uh, unwrapped into, um, in, in this particular case, 25 um, uh, iteration loops, and and that's that's not uh, exactly cheap. Um, one way around that is that one one moves the the if statement, uh, so the um, you can you can write out the, the loop and then. Uh, within the loop, um, do something depending on um, what the binary operator requires. Uh, the upshot is that now in the loop you have a, an, an if close, and that's going to to uh, slow you down. On the other hand, um, you have now a single loop instead of um, ten times twenty-five or whatever, uh, however number, uh, whatever number you have for the for the number of binary. So um, basically, what this means is, is that um, at the expense of speed, you you could gain um, uh, on on flash space, and this this wouldn't um, influence the circuit Python experience in the sense that from the Python side everything will behave the same way. Um, it will just be a bit slower. Um, I still have to figure out how much slower, but um, this is this is a, a this is going to be an option for, for smaller microcontrollers. Um, the second is uh, scalability and, and customization. So um, um, while I was, I was uh, rewriting the code, I, I actually um, made it such that you can now exclude every function um, on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, um, so in, in the past, um, People had um, uh, feature requests which I which I had to turn down because I thought that well, if only one person is interested, then then it's not worth it. But um, now I think I, I have a bit more freedom. I, I can can implement whatever they want, and then uh, if someone doesn't need a function, then then it can be switched off in a single header file. Um, so this 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 is a I think this this um, this should provide some some flexibility in terms of what's included or, or what's what's implemented, and uh, the, 
the inclusion is a different issue. Um, you don't have to do that. And it brings me to to a subject that was um, well um, has been floating for for a while, um, and that's um, NumPy compatibility. Um, and and um, so in, in Circuit Python you have um, sub modules. Uh, that's how you decide which function you want to have or which function you, you want to exclude. But I think that has has its limitation. This this approach has its limitation limitations. Um, namely, if I want to um, add a new function uh, on my side, then I still have to have feedback from Circuit Python because it can happen that I, I insert a function in a particular submodule and it doesn't compile for a particular piece of hardware on your side. And I think that's a, um, that's a bit of a, a predicament, I would say. So um, in, in order to, to document it, I, I, um, I was thinking that perhaps we could give up this, uh, this notion of uh, submodules without having to sacrifice this um, circuit Python experience, which is so close to Scott's heart, and I, I understand that. I, I, I subscribe to that. That's, that's absolutely no problem. But um, we could do it uh, perhaps a bit differently. And, and here's my, my, my proposal. Um, so um, in, um, in Microlab now, if you query the version number, then you get something like what you had in the, um, in the first snippet. So the, uh, the version number, then uh, dash 2v, which just means that uh, this particular firmware um, version supports uh, two-dimensional tensors, and uh, dash c5, which means that it conforms to, um, to um, uh, circuit pythons um, uh, uh, standards, or, or um, it has these, these, these sub-modules. Um, but this. This um, again, um, you you still have the problem that if if a new function is inserted, then then the submodules might lose their meaning. And on the other hand, um, it also means that you have no NumPy compatibility, and, and this this um, disturbs some people because they can't simply take a piece of code from a PC and run it on on, on a microcontroller. They have to somehow uh, translate it, and um, that's why, why some people requested this NumPy compatibility, which is actually already implemented. Um, you don't have to switch it on. Um, you can keep the Circuit Python uh, notion of, of submodules, but you can switch on the NumPy compatibility. Um, but um, if, if you still want to make sure that you uh, your, your your code. Uh, or whatever you want to, to achieve in your code uh, runs with a particular version of the firmware, then what you could do is define a hierarchy of, of features, and then we could extend the, the version number with, with a single number. So then instead of what you had previously, you would have uh, CPI-11 or whatever it is. Uh, the, and, and this number would tell you uh, What's included in the um, in the uh, in the firmware? So, if you if you have a piece of code that requires um, features that are only in uh, dash twelve, then then you could um, um, 
make sure that you are not trying to run that piece of code uh, right at the um, at the moment of importing. Um, so um, I think this is just a mock-up, but um, something along the lines in the, um, in the what's, what's presented in the last snippet, um, you could simply check whether this, this last, num last number is, is greater than, than whatever value you, you prescribe. Um, so this this would, would mean that you you then uh, you can then uh, completely decouple microlab from circuit Python in the sense that um, I do whatever I want and then you can define your subset of, of functions uh, and I don't have to know about that and it would also give you NumPy compatibility and you wouldn't lose um, this uh, circuit Python experience so you wouldn't run into problems with um, trying to using um, uh, functions that are not in the firmware. Um, and, and finally, um, one, one reason I, I, I think this, this could be better than the submodules is that um, I tried it out, if I strip everything um, and keep only the, um, the FFT routine, I, I, I singled out the FFT because um, uh, Dan Harvard mentioned it to me once that um, Adafruit is trying to um, to uh, implement, um, or at least it was on the discussion, uh, implement an FFT um, library for, for CircuitPython. So if I strip everything and keep only the FFT, then I end up with a piece of firmware which is only five kilobytes bigger than, than CircuitPython itself. So that would mean that you could, could add FFT in a, in a non-Pythonic way to even the smallest uh, uh, microcontrollers, and um, you still wouldn't lose the circuit Python experience. You just have to check at the at the moment of importing your whether whether FFT is included, and then you can define your hierarchy in a way that FFT is on the lowest level, so it's it's included in all possible firmware uh, uh, versions. Um, I, I, well, this, this, these are my comments. I. I don't know if I expect any um, definite statement on your part. Um, I, I think it was just um, um, a bit of background on, on what I am trying to, to do and, and how it could possibly be used in, in circuit Python. So, who wants to start? I had, I had one comment, Dan. Um, so you're proposing this hierarchy of or really a, a sort of a monotonically increasing set of features and right. designate that by a number. So right. do you want to do that? I mean, an alternative is just if you import a module, you can check to see what's in it with the dir function. Right, that's, um, um, that's, that's true. But actually what's, uh, what's really costly is, um, is um, uh, binary operators. You might decide to, to get rid of the power operator or, or whatever it is that you, you are not going to need. And um, DIR is not going to give you uh, any information on what or which binary operators are included. On the other hand, um, so you could do something like um, what's described in the um, customization section of, of the manual. You can still figure out whether whether the, the power operator is, is, um, is, is included, but um, I think it's a bit of a, uh, a bit hackish, I would say. So um, 
believe if, if you have this hierarchy, then but it's, it's actually up to you. I, I'm not trying to to convince anyone of, of anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I wanted to say that um, if, if, if you do this, then you can define your, your um, subset of features without me having to know anything about it. Um, so that, that would, would actually give a, a, a complete decoupling between the two or, or, um, right. So, right. So, uh, what I'm thinking is, I, I'm not really arguing about the hierarchy business at all, or you know, in any way. I just, I was just wondering if there's an easier way to determine at runtime. Like, so it's true that the double underscore operators, you can't find them, right? You can't find underscore underscore power right. or whatever it is. Right. So. If, if suppose that was done as a, I don't know, as a bitmap or as, I, I'm trying to think about it. something like dir, you know, you could have like a pseudo dir that says, yeah, these things are there or not. And because I'm just worried about that if people want to mix and match this, they, there's not, there's this monetize, you'd have to know what number, you have to go look up the number of the feature set or something like that's, that. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was just wondering if there's an easier way to determine, like, if you just wanted to turn off a single operator or something, you'd have to come up with a, yet another number. And uh, and you were you were checking to see whether the feature sets are monet, you know, each one is a superset of the other one. But I could imagine that there are cases where you just want to mix and pick and pick and choose things. Um, right. That could be. I I, I actually so. I think this is this is a bit of a tricky business because um, many things are implemented, many are not. Uh, but but perhaps um, uh, amongst those that are implemented, there are many that that are never used, and I, I simply don't know. I don't know what what people need and what people use. Um, yeah. Perhaps someone asked for that once, and I implemented it, but but then the person went away and walked away, and then um, I don't even know that he's using it. Um, so, um, the, the, the question really is, um, and it, it doesn't matter whether you have a hierarchy or submodules, yeah. the question really is whether you can define um, um, a, a, a reasonable subset of operators and functions that, that are used or can be used in a very broad context and, and let the, the not so popular functions be in a in a in a submodule or higher up in the hierarchy. I don't know. It doesn't matter how we solve this problem, but I, I just don't know what's important. So, and this this is why I singled out the FFT uh, as, as a yeah, well advertisement. Um, so you can get FFT for five kilobytes, actually less than five kilobytes. And uh, but um, and and I know that 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 was. Was one of your your um, um, ideas, or, or um, you, you mentioned it. I mean, the original motivation, the reason I got excited about ULAB was uh, the was the FFT. Okay, since you were looking for an FFT, so I was like, oh great, and we get all this other stuff too. So exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the that was like the original like oh wow moment. Um, so, so I, I, 
Yeah, so I, I all I have to say is I'm just I, I'm just worried that you're gonna end up with a very complicated structure which is gonna require a lot of documentation and I'm trying to think okay. about how to do it in some way that is simpler and I don't even know whether it's even worth checking. I mean uh, like the version number could actually be a concatenation of strings or something. I just whether it's worth doing this checking because if somebody's going to write a program to do that, or whether you just want to run their program and it'll fail or not, okay? Uh, so. Scott doesn't want that, and, and I sort of yeah. understand it. Let me reformulate the question. Uh, um, Jeff mentioned it uh, mentioned once that um, on one of the boards, uh, Microlab was um, was disabled, and actually I was offended at that time. <laughs> Okay. Um, so microlab was disabled because it simply didn't fit the flash. Now the question is, um, if you could solve the problem that that you have only FFT on this board, would you do that, or would you say that well, it just breaks the circuit Python experience or or whatever, and then um, let's just get rid of everything. So is is the fact that that you could have FFT on that single board, but not the whole um, whole thing, is it worth it? And I, I would, would argue that it's worth it. Um, but I, I would also say that this is this is not, I, I'm not in the position to, to, to make a decision on this. I, I think this is something that, that you have to decide somehow whether it's worth it and if it's worth how you solve it. Um, I, I, I was just perhaps trying to say that um, if there's a proposal how it could be solved, then I, I'm more than happy to to, to insert the tools um, if if any tools are necessary on my side if you if you deploy that. Uh, I, I understand the motivation now. I thought I didn't know where the motivation was coming from. Yeah, yeah. I so I have no nothing strong to say. I have to think about that. Yeah. I was thinking more about the implementation of the of the technique. Yeah. So uh, I'm done, Scott. Really. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I don't think, I, I think one thing we have to keep in mind in terms of whether we have FFT in a build is whether we actually have anything worthwhile FFTing. Like, the smallest boards, we may not actually have, like, audio input or output at all as well. Okay. So I think, I, 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 like, don't take it personally if the smallest of small boards don't have it because they're just really constrained at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... In terms of speed versus flash space, that is a trade that we were making at the very lowest end. So if there are knobs where we have the same APIs, but they can be different speeds um, to trade for flash size, like that's something that's interesting to us. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have those, that's great. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm working on that. So as I said, uh, some of those still have to be implemented. But, but I'm working on that, and I, I think this is uh, independent of CircuitPython. This is an idea that I, I would like to explore. Okay. So we have a couple precedents for that already. Like we have a flag that allows us to like turn off optimizations for the garbage collector and also for the VM. Mm -hmm. um, so we have precedents for that. That's totally something that's interesting. Um, and then. <laughs> My feedback on the version string thing would be that I don't think anybody's actually going to do that version string check. Um, and I'm wondering why um, 
I, I think I haven't heard the last two of Okay, so is it quick Yeah, so so I said that Speedverse Splash is really interesting. And then for the version string number, I would expect that people would not check it. Um, it would only be a case where somebody tries to do something and their code doesn't run and you say, hey, can you print out the version number for me? Um, I really still think submodules are the right way to go, and I wonder... Okay. I wonder why you're you're switching to one monolithic module in the native core, because <clears throat> I imagine what you could do is you could have just a Python module that imports everything from all the individual modules to give you the NumPy experience of everything being in the same namespace. You know what uh, I mean? That's right. That's right. That's right. On the other hand, um, submodules um, have have costs, so um, yeah. um, th not too much. But um, if you have ten submodules, that that's going to add up to something like two kilobytes, I think. So the submodule itself has two to be kilobytes. Flash. I think it's uh, somewhere in the kilobytes range. If you if uh, if you if you um, uh, switch on all submodules. Yeah, fifty bytes for one module doesn't sound like a whole lot. That sounds like a totally plausible amount. 50 times times 10. Times 10 okay so perhaps half a kilobyte i i, I don't know but uh, th there's some gain there so um um and if if on top of that you you have to have to run a piece of python code that's that's going to eat into the dam so um i don't know but i i, I see your point so uh um don't get me wrong i mean i like the only cost you're gonna pay is the size of making dictionaries Right, like for every name, you're gonna have a keystring reference, and that keystring's already gonna be in line regardless. And then you're gonna have the pointer to the function as well. And I, I also get the impression that the the scenarios where you want num com numpy compatibility are scenarios on the higher end of the spectrum in terms of RAM and CPU speed. Um. I kind of wonder what I, I, I wonder whether that cost is significant for those cases like I I don't have a lot of insight into the other people that are coming to you and using microlab I, I don't deny that that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> right so I'm one but I, I I guess I would just push back and say like is is a Python file that just aggregates all the APIs back together to be like NumPy untenable? Like, is there a reason that doesn't work? No, no, I don't think so. I, I think it's, it's a... Uh... Some modules that you want to um, enable and you can compile with two submodules. What happens if I insert a function, a new function into one of uh, becomes larger, uh, and you, you won't actually know why it why it has happened. Um, so, um, on the other hand, if you, uh, uh, you you can, of course, you can still speak. still have the header file where each function can be um, speak 
of whether it's uh, you're cutting in and out for me or part of the submodule. So um, in this sense, um, perhaps there is no difference. You were breaking up. I kind of didn't get it as one full thought. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Right. Okay. So um, what I wanted to say is that um, uh, you can you can still disable individual functions in the header file, uh, and it doesn't matter matter whether um, whether the the firmware is NumPy compatible or or Circuit Python compatible. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to say is that if I add new functions, then you can still decide on your side whether you want to include that function. Yeah, and, and I, that will be part of that particular submodule. I mean, I, I think if your if your feedback is I'd like like your side, you'd like to treat it as one monolithic module, and then on our side we have to split it up. Like we can do that. No, no, I don't think so. It's it's not worth it. So I, I mean. Um, um, what I have at the end of the, the saw because dictionary for that module and then in the in the main file I have to have a, a switch uh, whether I want NumPy compatible code or circuit Python compatible code and it's absolutely no problem I think it, it, it would be would be really a disaster if, if if you try to hack it on your side, not because you are incompetent, but because uh, I think this is an extra effort. That's 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 not worth it. So it, it has to be handled on on my collapse side, I think. Yeah. And I, I have nothing against that. So if if you wish to keep the sub modules, then then we go that way. It's absolutely no problem. I mean, I I I believe it's the best way to. To okay. Do design like this, um, and I but think it benefits other users besides your Circuit Python users. Mm -hmm. um, but I understand the argument that people coming from NumPy have extra work to do. Right, but uh, then, then if if that concerns them, then they they can simply switch or, or change a single switch in the header file and then compile the firmware for themselves. So. Or. Or there's a numpy.py file that just imports everything and puts it where it would be for numpy. That's also an option, right? Right. And then, then you Perhaps. don't need to recompile. Right. Right. That, that's correct. Perhaps that's the that's the, the, the best of, of both words. I would suggest trying it before doing the version number thing. Okay. Yeah. That would be my Great. opinion. Well, I think that uh, th those were my comments. Uh, so um, you do whatever you would like uh, to do, um, and um, I, well, I, I will be working on these features. Um, we'll see how. Yeah. It goes. Jeff, do you have any feedback on this? Because you're doing more circuit than you have. So. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been doing anything with Microlab lately. I'm certainly interested in looking at what are the options for the size optimization. Um, Zoltan mentioned using an if statement. I also wondered about using function pointers. And then in a in a really weird um, world, it might work out to actually dynamically generate some code into RAM and then call that code. I don't know if there's enough similar code that you know you'd want to trade flash space for RAM space. 
Um, and of course, then you become bound to running on ARM. You would, you know, probably not go ahead and do that on the ESP32, for instance, um, in terms of code generation. So those are some of the things that come to mind um, there with those trade-offs. And I think you understand much better where the code size is, is coming from than I do just off the top of my head. Although Dan has done some really good work with uh, he, looking at map files and figuring out where bloat is. So if that if uh, map files are map files or list files, anyway, that is a great thing to know about um, versus okay. just uh, recompiling and seeing how much it changes by. So definitely ask him about that. Okay. Um, and then the last thing would be if uh, you or Scott wanted to respond to Kevin Thomas's question, why uh, NP in particular? I think it's. Uh, wouldn't hurt to cover that. Sultan, do you want to say why you chose to uh, emulate or model after Num NumPy for Microlab? Well, because I think it's a, it's a relatively well-known library for, for uh, C Python, and um, um, I, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. Um, I, I wanted to re-implement it only, uh, so I, I think that was <laughs> And I don't think any uh, part of it is really uh, directed at machine learning yet, is it? Uh, no, uh, Sky, uh, Scikit has some some uh, machine learning um, uh, sub libraries or sub modules, but I I have never worked with them, so I, that's why this this issue is a bit, bit difficult, uh, at least for me, because I, I don't even know where to start. feeling that this is this is something that's quite expensive so uh, someone mentioned that uh, for example gesture recognition could be could be done offline and then you would have to upload only the, um, the routine um, and, and I think gesture recognition is something that could be interesting for um, for circuit Python um, or, or many of the boards but um, I, I don't, don't quite know where to start so um, it's a, it's a funny issue, I would say. Uh, yeah, so Kevin also asks, would a byte array work as well? And I mean, I think there, with the one-dimensional array in NumPy, it is really a lot like an array dot array, right? Except you have these operations you can perform. Like you, can, you can't apply the sign function to an array array or a byte array, but that's what Microlab is all about enabling. All right. Um, well, if that's it, uh, that will wrap it up for In the Weeds and the meeting. So let me move on to the last section of wrap up. This has been the CircuitPython Weekly Meeting for October, no, November 2nd, 2020. Uh, please come visit us in the CircuitPython channel on the Adafruit Discord, adafru.it. If you'd like to be informed about future meetings, just ask us to make you a member of the CircuitPythonistas, and you'll get a couple of notifications a week on Discord. Um, there's a notes doc to go with this meeting. If you got to the end without having the link to it, um, I apologize. It would have really helped you out. There is a meeting calendar. 
and uh, there is just a lot more in the CircuitPython and Adafruit community. So we hope to see you in the future. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Thanks everyone.